Welcome to Education Currents, a show designed to provide current educational news and commentary from a Christian worldview. The greatest resource any community has is its children, and by providing for them the best possible education, we are providing for ourselves and future generations. Join us as we explore the latest social and political issues surrounding education. Here are your hosts, Dr. Rose Gamblin. Welcome, welcome to Education Currents. I'm talking with Lauren Green, and I am honored that you would spend some time with us. She currently serves as Fox News Channel Chief Religion Correspondent based out of the New York Bureau. She joined Fox News Channel in 1996, and uh, she's been to Rome. She covered the election of Pope Francis as well as the retirement of Pope Den- Pope. Benedict the the 16th. 16th. Yes. Reading my Roman numerals there. (laughs) Additionally, she's provided live coverage of the beautification of Pope John Paul II from Rome in Pope Benedict's visit to the United States in 2008. Prior to joining Fox Fox News Channel, Green served as a weekend news anchor and correspondent at WBBM. TV, CBS in Chicago. And also, I have to say that you're a concert pianist with a degree in piano performance. And uh, because of those connections, you've also in- interviewed some leading musicians like like Placido Domingo yes. and Pierre Boulez. Yeah, Pierre Boulez. And uh, so you get the picture before me as someone who is very articulate, and we're so honored to have you here. We're actually going to talk about your new book, Lighthouse Faith, God as a Living Reality in a World Immersed in Fog. Welcome to our show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So, you know, we consider people out there in television and everything as, you know, secular, worldly, those kinds of things. And and as uh, we as we see god is really placing his instruments in those fields so at what point did you really give that allegiance to jesus christ well one of the things that came out from this book and uh, probably this book has been about 10 years in the actual making because it's been 10 years of research and 10 years of you know the interviews and that sort of thing but i think the book really began to take form when I was challenged in a sermon asking the question, is God a concept to you or a living reality? I mean, if you know the statistics that large majority of Americans believe in God, but is God a concept to you or a living reality? And a concept is something you certainly believe in, but you shape it to meet your needs. You shape it to sort of, you know, form to what choices you've already made, Mm -hmm. you know? And a living reality is a God to which you shape your life too. It is um, reading the scriptures and saying, These are, this is what God demands of me, and I must obey. Um, it is loving God, and to love God, it means to serve him, it means to obey him. Um, and so that was the challenge of the, that a sermon brought to me. And so that began the process of the book. I mean, the whole process of my, uh, my faith journey is much longer than that, I would guess. It starts when I was a child, but... But I think that's really where the book really takes off in terms of crystallizing that. 
thesis of the book is basically saying that the first commandment is the basis of the world. The first commandment sits atop the other nine commandments like a beacon of a lighthouse. You can't violate commandments two through ten without first violating one. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the basis of the world. And it sits atop, like I say, the other nine commandments like a beacon, like a light mm-hmm. on top of a lighthouse. And I, it occurred to me that if you take it out of its sort of, a, sort of biblical moorings in terms of a, a morality, this is really a template for all law of a closed system. Mm-hmm. And I first saw it working in music about how the, the major scale kind of operated in the same way. I mm-hmm. saw it operating in architecture, saw it operating in all sorts of disciplines. And then I thought, oh my goodness, this is... It was humbling in that thing that if there is a God who created the world, his stamp is on everything. Not just the things that we want to believe, but everything. And not only that, the Ten Commandments is not just a list of arbitrary do's and don'ts, but an actual description of who God is. And that we made in the image of God, we are who we are supposed to be when we abide by those laws. Amen. So you grew up in a Christian home, and at some point you really felt called towards journalism and that kind of... Yeah, the, the journey is so <laughs> long because I grew up in a Christian home, but so many people like me in my age group grew up in a Christian home, but you, you're, it was sort of a cultural kind of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the whole community was Christian. Princeton professor David W. Miller said, you know, a lot of us were just breathing the air of Christianity, living off the capital of it, but not really studying and understanding what we believed in. I had a wonderful great aunt named Aunt Retha, who was a wonderful, wonderful woman of faith, who taught Sunday school, who taught us things about God that I had never known and only came back in my heart later when I realized how much of an influence she had on my life. Um, And I tell a story about what she did. There are two things that she did stories that she told and things that she did. She, she had a game with us called Bunkum. She would hide an object in plain sight and we'd come into the room and try to find it. And then when one of us found it, we'd say Bunkum and sit down. And it was a fun game, but it was this idea that, you know, something so common as a comb or a hairbrush or a fork or whatever was hiding in plain sight in a room. And I realized that God, over how many millennium have been, has been playing a cosmic game of Bunkum with us, He's hiding in plain sight. Yes. We need only look. Yeah. We need only want to look. Oh, that that is so true. So, bunkum. Yes, the game. Because um, my, you know, I have some listeners that are young. Yes. Uh, she would come in and she would see what she wanted to talk about, uh, what she had in mind, and say bunkum and sit down. Well, and this then... is what would happen. She goes, okay, I've, this is the comb. Okay. She says, I'm going to hide this comb in the room. You, you guys go out of the room. You girls go out of the room. I will hide the comb. And so she would hide it in a plain sight, like in a lampshade or in a couch. But it would, you could see it. Yes. It would be someplace where you could see. So we'd come back into the room, and we'd be looking for this thing. We'd be looking and looking and looking and looking. And then finally one of us would like, come and sit down <laughs> and then the other one goes i don't see it i don't see it i don't see it it's like and then the, we just laugh and laugh and laugh and because you know they say i saw it i saw it i saw it, I saw it. and then you know then the person like finally see it or they, they couldn't see it at all and then finally they just point to it and say this but one of the things i brought to with the book is it's very interesting because it's almost as if once you see it once you saw the object the entire room took a different shape yeah everything now related to where that thing was I, I mean, I just think 
as simple as it sounds, is those type of games and, and it's those type of metaphors connected to the game right. that are huge lessons for children. Uh, where can our listeners go? Do you have a website? Yes, it's, it's lighthousefaithbook.com. And you, the book is available um, online. You can, it's on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, whatever you Lighthousefaithbook.com. Yeah. And it'll uh, list you know, some booksellers where you can get the book. Um, but it is, um, I have to tell you one other story. Yes, please. That my Aunt Retha, which is a story that she told about when she was a um, school teacher in you know, a, a rural area. And she used to do taffy pulls with the kids. You know, because who does taffy pulls anymore? And she taught me how to make taffy that way. I know how to pull taffy. <laughs> but she said she would pair the kids up together. But nobody wanted to um, pull taffy with a farm boy whose hands were always dirty. You know, she said she cleaned the hands with soap and water, but it just, the soap would yeah. never come off. So I don't know if you know anything about pulling taffy, but it starts all clear. And then as you pull, it becomes opaque and white. Mm-hmm. And she said, so she decided to pair up with the boy and, you know, be his taffy pulling partner. And something she said was so funny, and it was so funny because she said, the taffy never seemed to get lighter. It just kept getting darker. <laughs> and then she realized all that dirt was coming off on the taffy. <laughs> and he finally had clean, clean hands. <laughs> but that was something else that it taught me later on because it just took understanding the resurrection, understand what it meant. Mm-hmm. It meant that that is the nature of a savior, that something that our filth is so great that only something pure and, and solid and pureness willing to take the, our filth onto himself mm-hmm. and bear it as his own. Yes. That is what Jesus did. Yes. He took our filth and bore it as his own and removed it from us. And that's the story of the taffy pool. Yes, and and we're encouraging our listeners to read the book, lighthousefaithbook.com is where you can obtain it. I'm talking with Laura Green, who currently serves as Fox News Channel Chief Religion Correspondent. Now, I know there are families saying, I want my child to grow up and be a Chief Religion Correspondent. I didn't start out being a chief religion correspondent. My first love is music. I have a music degree in piano performance from the University of Minnesota. That was always my first love is music. And it, it, the world just spoke to me through music. I understood music um, more than I understood anything else. And I remember when I finally decided to go into journalism, how it was almost like I was translating it into a different language, trying to find the words for something I understood yeah. musically. It was a really big challenge. So I went to uh, Northwestern um, University in Chicago and got a master's degree in journalism. And from there, I started working as a producer in Minneapolis at the ABC affiliate. And then five years later, after, you know, I became a reporter, five years later, I went to Chicago and became uh, the, um, a weekend uh, anchor there. And then uh, in 1996, Fox News was starting. And they offered me a position as sort of covering the arts and covering news. And so I I was the first on-air person hired for Fox News Channel, and so I did several different things there. I was a morning anchor for Fox and Friends, and then they decided they wanted, they needed this sort of religion correspondent. I expressed a lot of interest in religion. I'd always had an interest in religion because of my music background. One of the things that people don't realize is that the history of music is quite tied to the history of the Western, of of the church. 
and you can chart yeah. the history of Catholicism with the history of music, of yeah. Western music. And yeah. so as I learned music, I learned the history of the church. Mm-hmm. So it was always a part of me. And plus, because I had this wonderful great Aunt Retha, who was a woman of faith, who taught us so many things about God just in her relationship with us, you know. So I always had this interest, and I re- remember reading a book by Ravi Zacharias called Can Man Live, with, Live Without God? Um, before that, I read a book, I think it was in the same area, um, by Lee Strobel, everybody knows, The Case for Christ. I, I had a um, relationship with um, Tommy Nelson at Denton Bible Church down in Denton, Texas, who had the Song of Solomon tapes about dating, um, courtship, and marriage. And I was fascinated by that. And when I went down to compete in the competition for amateurs, I called him up and said, hey, you know, I, I, you don't know me, but I would really love to play for your congregation and praying for this competition. And that was our first relationship. And we've just been friends ever since. We then I became they just offered me the position they want is, you know, we want this religion yeah. correspondent. Can you do this? And I said, sure. It's just right up my alley. It, it, it made sense because I'd already done a special on religion for them. I was always searching. And um, and I think my the, the real change came when I began to go to Redeemer Presbyterian Church about a decade ago, and uh, the preaching of Dr. Timothy Keller transformed my understanding of how to look at God. This is what I'd been looking for, how to take the Word of God and transform it into everyday life. Whatever he read, I read. However, if he quoted somebody, I went and got the book and started reading that book. It was just a revelation. Amen. Well, we're going to take a break right here. We are talking with Lauren Green about her book, Lighthouse Faith, God is a Living Reality in a World Immersed in Fog, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Marty Michaels. Welcome to Heartbeat. In ancient Jerusalem, a rabbi's teachings were called his yoke. His pupils sat under his teaching while clothing themselves in his words. In the Bible, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus tells his disciples, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what so many of us want? Not just sleep but rest for our souls, a place to put our burdens. Today, clothe yourself with Christ's teachings. Begin to take on His character and learn to trust Him with your burdens. Heartbeat is brought to you by the Salvation Army. Hi, I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and I come to you each week through the programs of Education Currents and Homeschool Companion. And I'm so blessed to be part of MRG Media Radio Ministry. And I'm giving you the opportunity to be part of it too. We can't stay on the air without your financial support. So take a moment right now during our fundraiser to call you with a gift of any size. As a token of my appreciation for your gift, I have a gift you so be sure you call and my gifts consist of books some books that I've written that I've autographed for you so be sure and call us 301-824-3162 that's 301-824-3162 
3162 or write to MRG Media at P.O. Box 413, Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. That's P.O. Box 413, Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. Welcome back. Thank you to, for joining our conversation with Laura, Lauren Green. And if you didn't get to hear us in the first half, you'll know that she is currently the Fox News Channel Chief Religion Correspondent based in the New York Bureau. She joined them in 1996, and she's just recently written a book called Lighthouse Faith, God is a Living Reality in a World Immersed in Fog. And you shared with us two stories about your aunt. I just love those stories. Um, one was, it had a neat word, and I want to write that down and blog about it. Bunkum. Bunkum. B-U-N-K-U-M. I just, honestly, when I was taught the, the, the game, I never knew how to spell it, so I'm spelling it any way I can. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> now this is how it's spelled. Yes, now it's how, <laughs> this is how it's spelled. So in your journey as a chief religion correspondent, how has God used you and how has he spoken to you through your, those experiences? Wow, this is a very interesting question. I, I think that God is using me daily. I don't know, I'm here to serve him, so I don't know how he has used me. I think that I think this book is simply a, a way that I think people can understand faith in a way that I've understood it, you know, over the last 10 years. And this is kind of a working through of, of God working in our lives. I think that if God is working in everybody's life. I'm, everybody has the chance to really know God as a living reality. I, mean, I think I have to back up, too, because I've made certain assumptions in this book. And I think that's why I believe it's unique in that. I have a, the first assumption in, is that the question, does God exist? Yes, I'm making that assumption. And the second assumption is, has that God revealed himself to us? And the answer is yes. I have made that assumption. And the third assumption is, has he revealed himself in the Judeo-Christian religion and the heritage outlined in the Holy Scriptures? And I say yes. So these three things are my assumptions. That's where this book begins. And so I look at this book, this, these holy scriptures, and say, how do the holy scriptures then coincide with the world we see, the everyday world? And that's kind of how the book unfolds. That God, God has revealed himself. Uh, he has two books. He has the book of nature, and he has the book of the holy scriptures. Now, when you um, did the coverage for the election of Pope Francis... All the world was watching. And, you know, of course, some, some religions are equating that with, you know, the world wa- wondering after. Mm-hmm. Did you get that same sense that the world was wondering after? I think so. One of the things that I'm fascinated, though, with when something happens in the Vatican, um, a lot of people outside of Christianity or outside of or just not practicing their faith, even though they might be sort of cultural Christians, they don't understand that that's part of Catholicism, that there is also Protestantism out there, and there is in the Eastern Orthodox, and they don't understand the different denominations of Christianity. And so they don't understand what, if someone says, oh, there are 
a billion Catholics out there. They think they mean a billion Christians, and that's mm -hmm. not what that's that's not accurate. So, what I'm fascinated with is that when somebody speaks about Catholicism or what the Vatican is doing or what Pope Francis is doing, they don't understand that that is a segment of Christianity that may not apply to um, all Christians. You know, we just had Ash Wednesday yesterday. You know, my husband is Greek Orthodox, so he doesn't have, although he has Lent, he practices Lent. Ash Wednesday is not part of their sort of calendar. Other things are, and of course, the Easter's are ne don't always align. I, I think that what surprises me is the notion that people make certain assumptions about Christianity or the level that are not, maybe not true. One of the things that also has come out about when there's a movie, a biblical theme, let's just take the movie Noah. I was appalled at just how inaccurate it was because it's like, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That's not <laughs> supposed to happen. But what was more appalling and actually more scary is that most people didn't understand. They really took the film as if it was directly out of the Bible, as if this is what God said, and it's not the way it happened in the Bible. So this is, I think, another thing that we as Christians really have to correct is people really have to have better knowledge, the stories of the Bible and how that applies to the grander narrative of the Bible. Now, in, your, in the subtitle, it says, God is a living reality in a world immersed in fog. Do you look at the fog as as a general thing that's in the population or people like living in gray areas yeah they like living in a sort of i just think people we just need to love everybody well they haven't really thought that through it's not intellectually honest because well if god just loved everybody then how is it without correcting anybody there's no sense of justice how does a loving god just love everybody, and then you've got something like um, a mass murderer. Wouldn't you think that there would be, should be a loving God that also exerts justice? Wouldn't you mm -hmm. want that? Yes, we want, you know, we, so somebody has to do something about that. Well, yes. how can you just say that God should just love everybody and not do anything about um, people who sin? Mm -hmm. They have a problem with sin, but it's like, you know, well, you know, somebody sins against you. If somebody steals your car or breaks into your house, you want the police to do something about mm -hmm. it. Yes. Well, cosmically, God has done something about it. Yes. So there has to be a sense of justice. I, I, I think that the gray areas are that people don't think things through and aren't intellectually honest to say that there's got to be an objective truth that exists outside of myself. Yes. Yeah. Right? Right. There is a black and white, have you sinned or not sinned, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the gray areas are people just wanting to live in this sort of, I don't want to face the objective truth of, of right and wrong. So they kind of exist in sort of a gray area. Yes. And that is a great thought to conclude the show. We want, we want everyone to learn to love God and to look at him as a living reality. And you can go and learn more at lighthousefaithbook.com. I've been talking to Lauren Green, and I have one last thing to say, and that is keep learning.
You have been listening to Education Currents, a production of MRG Media Ministries. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.